Hello, wonderful neighborhood. I hope you had a great weekend and welcome to a brand new week. Even though we're still here in lockdown in Victoria, there's something so refreshing about a weekend. I know I yak on about this all the time, but one of the weirdest things about making this show is not being able to see you guys or reach out to you at the time that you're actually listening to the episode. So sometimes bringing you yay the best way possible is a bit of guesswork. I've been noticing people posting about episodes or sharing their insights with a longer lag time from its release than you usual. So a couple of weeks later, rather than in the week that the episode is released. And while I originally thought lockdowns on and off around the country meant we all had more time to listen to podcasts, I've noticed for myself at least, and probably therefore also some of you, that without traveling in the car all the time, I'm actually listening to podcasts less. So dropping two episodes this year instead of one episode per week might have been bombarding you guys a little bit. So I thought for a few days of our live slots, I'm going to reshare some episodes that you may have missed to let some of you catch up so that you don't feel like you're behind in yet another thing in life because I feel like in everything else we're all running a bit behind with our productivity at an all-time low. As always if I'm totally wrong on this one please whip out your phones right now and DM me to make sure that I don't do this for too many weeks if that's not what you actually want. Whoever invents an app where you can leave messages at time markers on podcast episodes and the creator can see them will win my heart and also so randomly how has no one else invented an app for when you get put on hold on the phone, but you don't want to listen to piano music on loud so you don't miss when the person actually answers. Surely someone could invent one that just lets you hang up while you're on hold, but then makes an alarm for when you pick up. I clearly had an experience this week. I was like, with all the technology we have, how has no one invented that yet? Anyway, this one was shared a few times last week, uh, and I think a couple of you were listening it to the first, listening to this episode for the first time, and it was such a fun chat. So I thought I would share it again for your ears. Hope you guys are all having an amazing week and are seizing your yay. I think if you're ever feeling like you need to diminish who you are and you need to suppress these things about yourself because you're worried about what other people think, I always ask myself, is the pain of regret going to be worse than the fear of the what ifs. The biggest thing I wanted to do was challenge the country's ideas about our nation's identity. Develop enough courage so that you can stand up for yourself and then stand up for somebody else. These are the yays of our lives. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. It really is such a privilege to create this show for you, beautiful neighborhood, and getting your messages about episodes that have brought you joy or laughter when you really needed it just makes me want to cry sometimes, particularly during this latest lockdown in Victoria for my fellow Victorians. I know it's been a really tough time and I've been getting some really, really lovely feedback about how wonderful the past couple of guests have been. It's almost like they were sent to us just at the time when we needed them most. But as I've said before, if I'm really honest, these chats do just as much if not more for me personally than they do for you. So it's kind of a selfish endeavor. (laughs) Our latest guests have literally carried me through the past few challenging weeks back in isolation and today's guest is no exception. I'm so thrilled to have the incredible Maria Thetil joining for Years of Our Lives this week, who you may also know as Miss Universe Australia 2021, freshly returned from doing us so proud, making the top 10 at the global Miss Universe competition in the USA. If you have any misconceptions about the pageant, its potential as a platform for impact, or Maria's hopes and dreams in entering, prepare to have them blown out of the water by this incredibly articulate, humble and passionate woman. As the shortest woman in the competition at five foot three, which isn't even that short, and only the third woman of colour to represent our multicultural nation in this international competition in seven 
decades, Maria is shattering ceilings and breaking down traditional beauty standards, helping redefine what it means to be Australian. She has such powerful messages about identity, self-belief in the face of critics, the power of positivity, and so much more. I left this conversation filled with so much inspiration and hope and passion and lightness. She's just the breath of fresh air that we all need, and I was so lucky to catch her on her very last day of 14 days in quarantine on the way back into Australia, only to come out into lockdown, but somehow she just brought so much joy and happiness to the show. I think it's safe to say that this is just the beginning for Maria. We have an irrepressible change maker on our hands, and I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Links to all her incredible work, including the My Australia video that was quite groundbreaking and very moving. I've watched it several times now and just get shivers every time. I'll pop all those links in the show notes. And in the meantime, hope you guys enjoy. Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I I know we just had this moment off camera, off recording, but <laughs> I'm going to relive it anyway. I absolutely love you, your energy, what you do. So thank you for having me and welcoming me. Oh my gosh, this was so delightful. Maria literally came on and was like, I just need to get my fangirl moment out of the way. And I was like, <laughs> What are you talking about? The nation has just been watching you represent us so beautifully. I'm fangirling you and we had this full meltdown yeah. for like a, a good 15 minutes. No, I love you. Yeah, but I love you. you hang up more. No, you hang up more. Like, <laughs> How did that. you describe it? I, the stepbrothers moment? I said that, oh, that's exactly what I said. I said, you know what? We just had that moment in stepbrothers where they say, should we make bunk beds and be best friends? <laughs> <laughs> We absolutely should. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> when we finally get out of mutual lockdown, yes. then we can absolutely have buckets together we when we're allowed in the same room. I was going to say we could go for a coffee and you could bring Paul, but if you want to go straight to bunk beds, okay, let's do it. Paul loves bunk beds. <laughs> well, okay, you and me and Paul, three of us. Or you you and Paul can be in one. <laughs> yes. And I'll just be the third wheel yes, in the other one. <laughs> you did call me a tiny giant before, so I'd fit in a bunk bed with Paul, I think. It would work. <laughs> Well, that's what I love about you. I think you were the shortest competitor this year, 5'3", tiny but a giant because your energy and your mission and your vision is that of a giant and you are holding like the weight of a whole nation on your shoulders. So I loved the our national costume that was designed that you wore this year. Your wings just expanded out and I was like, gosh, you are just this gigantic, beautiful energy and size is, you know, definitely no indication of what kind of energy you can bring to the world. <laughs> I love that and I cannot agree more. It's, and it's so funny to me that it was even a discussion this year, you know, it's 2021 and we're talking about a person's capability, their leadership, their energy, their presence, and we're tying it to physical attributes. I'm like, you know what? I'm the shortest person here, but I'm going to show you I'm the biggest personality in the room. <laughs> like challenge accepted, challenge accepted. Absolutely. My husband's mum, so Nick's 6'1", but his mum's 4'11". She's I love like, that. She's Short so game. tiny, but you don't even notice. Like people have met her and when mm. I say that, they're like, no, she's not. And I'm like, no, if you actually look at her standing next to Nick, she's 4'11". And they're like, no, she's not. And because her energy, you just don't notice. She just takes up the whole entire room. So you think That's she's it. like 6'7". You know, I've seen people who are, you know, perhaps taller. And it really is a confidence thing. And it's how, I guess, you, you carry yourself because you could be the tallest person in the room and shrink because maybe you're not secure in yourself. And then that mm. energy diminishes. But I think you could be whatever and you walk into a room, you're like, I am here. <laughs> People <laughs> will notice, you know, they'll notice. And it's just confidence. It's positivity and it's felt. It doesn't need to be seen even. It's mm. felt. Well, you have so much wisdom on that point to share with us from the incredible journey you've just been on. But I would love to just quickly acknowledge that this is your last day of hotel quarantine on the way back into <laughs> Australia. And unfortunately, <laughs> we have all joined you now. So you have seven more days to go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to get out of a two-week quarantine, but I'm going into a seven-day lockdown. I hope it's just seven days, but at least I'll get to be with my dog and my family. And it really hasn't been, you know, bad. I would not mm. say it's bad. I think saying that hotel quarantine is bad is quite a privileged thing to say. So that's really like guided my perspective over the two weeks that I've been here, but I am excited to get out. And we were just talking before we started recording about the idea of 
extroversion and introversion and how mm. like we're both quite extroverted in the way we spend our energy but don't often allow ourselves that much time to be alone and like literally alone yeah. in a room by yourself. Yeah. How has that been kind of sitting with your thoughts and you know what I was reflecting on about you know what I wanted to ask you was that you've just been on this wild ride and normally without hotel quarantine you probably would have come straight back to normal life and not let the dust settle. Yeah. How has it been actually giving yourself, well, not giving yourself, being forced <laughs> to, to actually let that experience marinate in your mind? Yeah. You know, it's great. And, and I remember my dad, he said this to me when I was initially feeling a little bit nervous coming home to go into a two-week quarantine. I didn't know how I would go really. And dad said to me, he's like, Maria, think of physics, okay? What goes up must come down. And you've been on this incredible high you've you know, reached the, the peak of your experience here and now you're just coming home and you have to process. He's like, if you're not okay, that's okay. So firstly, mum and dad were very supportive and they had me thinking about it in that perspective. But then when I got in, like you said, I'm someone who I definitely need alone time to recharge. And it ended up being a forced rest period where I was able to reflect on this achievement. Mm. And I thought maybe, you know, going into the competition, I really didn't even think about how would I feel if it doesn't go the way that I hope, because I was very determined. But coming out of it and knowing, you know what, I did everything I went there to do. I, I was ready for some rest. So it's been really good in that I've had time to sleep in, to eat, to enjoy, but also plan now and think, well, what is the next chapter of my life going to be like? And I think because I've been positive and I've been able to use it to talk to friends and family. My well-being is definitely in a very different place to what it was like when I was in that hustle mode. And on the outside, it looks like, wow, she's constantly achieving or making moves. But mentally and emotionally, I wasn't as healthy as I feel I am now, having finally been able to slow down. So I'm positive and I just hope it's something that I definitely take into my life moving forward and I don't get lost in that busy dynamic once I get out again because rest is essential to, and you know this, it's essential to being your most you, you. So Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also to give enough sort of space to some to to an experience that big and consuming and exciting where you were pouring out energy like every inch of energy in your body mm. all day long surrounded by people and in normal life I think we do just you would have come home and had press I mean and you had press anyway but you yeah. would have been out and about flying around and probably not even reflected at all on what you want to do how you feel and I think we don't give ourselves any buffer time between big events and then it almost strips the big enjoyment and pride that you can cultivate if you just let it settle for a second so yeah 100 percent. we think that we need to constantly be i said it to you before but you know commodifying and monetizing our time and if we waste a minute it's you know time wasted when time spent reflecting and appreciating and practicing gratitude that is arguably more important than the time you spend working because if you do that to no end you're going to burn out so I, I agree wholeheartedly agree oh yes so yeah. much wisdom <laughs> which reminds me of this week's quote of the yay as you know yays of our lives starts with a quote of the yay that we choose each week for our guest and I thought that one that really represents you to me and that as I was watching you I had it in my mind knowing that we would have this conversation when you got home the quote is to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And you had a really beautiful follow-up one from Maya Angelou, who was one of my favourite quote artists also. What was your one? My one by Maya Angelou, and it's something that I do try and practice and bring to everything that I do. It's develop enough courage so that you can stand up for yourself and then stand up for somebody else. Oh, my gosh. And I think you've done both of those things in such an extraordinary way. You've been exactly who you are. You've represented an Australia that is exactly the Australian that you are that's maybe not, you know, what necessarily everyone else thought was Australian and have then stood yeah. up for others in the process and made such a beautiful, beautiful legacy out of this experience. So give us a rundown, maybe quickly give us a rundown of Maria 
pre-Miss Universe, who you were before, and then what actually led you to signing up before we jump into actually what it was like? Yeah, of course. So I think it's so humbling to hear. Like I'm, I'm sitting here like almost just thinking, you know what, I just have to smile and say thank you because the words you just said are so beautiful and touching. When I think of myself pre-Miss Universe, Miss Universe was definitely a very transformational journey, but it wasn't by accident. It wasn't like I just jumped on this train and I evolved. It was very intentional. And prior to that, so I had, you know, I guess work-wise, I had studied degrees in both psychology and management and I was working in HR. I worked for the Victorian government and I also was a very creative person, but very shy about wanting to be public about my creative pursuits. So, you know, I, I was a makeup artist six years ago. Really? Yeah, I, I did a makeup artistic qualification whilst I was doing my master's in HR. Seemingly very different worlds. But the reason I did that was because as a person of color in Australia, I had not worked with a makeup artist who knew how to deal with my skin tone or do my makeup. <sighs> and there was never darker shades. I'm a light-skinned woman of color, but I could not find my foundation shade in the market. So it was actually born out of scarcity that I thought, well, if no one knows how to cater to me, <laughs> I will figure it out myself. <laughs> so I did the qualification. I worked as a makeup artist and I started, you know, sharing these beauty tips online for people of color just because I loved it. And it started to grow a little bit of a community. It was small, but it was impactful because people weren't just like, oh, great photo. They were like, it is amazing to see someone who looks like me finally in this space. Right. So I realized, okay, this is, this is bigger than just beauty. And I was always speaking about diversity and inclusivity from the lens of beauty and fashion, but I was still definitely very shy and I would not acknowledge the stuff I was doing on social media as anything more than a pet project. I would right. say, oh, it's a side hustle, it's a pet project, it's just something I do for fun because I was embarrassed to acknowledge something creative and unconventional mm. in you know, a traditionally successful arena. So I thought if I went to work in my corporate job and I said, yeah, I do the social media thing with beauty, I thought people will see me as less of a professional, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> what society tells you success looks like and what you need to do to be considered valuable and successful and a change maker. So I was quite humble about it and, and not even humble, just shy. But then I kept going, the platform kept growing and I knew I was disillusioned by just makeup and beauty. It's an interest, yes, but I knew that I loved writing, I loved speaking, and I wanted to talk about things that mattered. So the Miss Universe platform was never anything I considered because I'm a five foot three woman of color who was often told, there's really no space for you in the modeling industry because we can't place you. We don't know what your look is. And you're <laughs> where not, do you fit? <laughs> yeah, where do you fit? Because you don't look Australian. Um, you're not tall enough to do runway. Commercially, yeah, you don't have that Australian look. So I thought, okay, I can't do that. Then I saw in 2019, that an Indian Australian lawyer named Priya Sarau was crowned Miss Universe Australia. And I thought, Priya, Priya, we love Priya. We love Priya. We love Priya. <laughs> and I thought, wow, she challenges any misconceptions I have about this pageant and this space. And I thought, what if I did it? And I completely made it my own. And I knew if I did it, the biggest thing I wanted to do was challenge the country's ideas about our nation's identity yes. because for far too long we have seen in every sphere business fashion politics the news media what is put forward as australian completely neglects an entire portion of what makes our country beautiful and it's you know black indigenous and people of color if you don't fit anglo-celtic perceptions of beauty or what it is to be australian you're not seen so I thought that's my mission. And I knew it wouldn't come without criticism, without racism, but I did it anyway. And I was very, you know, pleasantly surprised to end up being selected. And that's when I was like, I'm going to make this my own. And it was an intentional journey, but it was immensely transformational because, you know, people can say what they want about the platform. I know there's a lot of things that need to change about it, but I knew it was going to be immensely powerful if I took it and ran with it. And I think I did. Oh, my gosh. You absolutely did. And you're right. It's interesting that you sort of say it was a very intentional thing. Like yeah. you didn't sort of enter and think, oh, I'm just going to give this a try and see what happens. It was to create a platform for yourself to proliferate these beliefs and messages that you think are really important. And I love that because I think, it, you know, you're going back to saying that you were shy about 
talking about these things in the workplace because they didn't align with people's idea of success or whatever. I think we do sort of play down things to take the risk Mm -hmm. away from it or to not look like we're putting ourselves out there in case it doesn't work. Like even, you know, recently I got asked, why do you call yourself a lawyer turned fun-trepreneur? Like, is it because of yay? Is it because of joy? And I was like, look, honestly, the deep down reason is probably because if I'm not saying that I'm taking business seriously, if I fail, it doesn't matter because I wasn't taking yeah. it seriously. Like it was just a side hustle, you know? Yeah. But I love that you went into it. And I think if you look at, at from the very beginning, the way that you covered the event was very much like, I am not doing this just because I decided on a whim. This is going to be the way that I spread my message. And you did that the whole way through at every stage so beautifully. Thank you. And you know what you just said? I And for anyone who's listening, I think if you're ever feeling like you need to diminish who you are and you need to suppress these things about yourself because you're worried about what other people think, I always ask myself, is the pain of regret going to be worse than the fear of the what ifs? And it almost always is, yes, it's going <laughs> to be worse. If you look back and you think, you know what? Because of someone's opinion, I stopped myself from doing what felt fulfilling to me or I wasn't myself. You know, that's betraying yourself. Mm. So we want that safety net. We want to make sure that if anyone judges us, we've got a fallback plan. But it's so many incredible things when you decide, I don't care and I'm going to throw caution to the wind and I'm going to do what feels right for me anyway. Absolutely. And I think there's two things that really stick out to me about that. One of them is I love that you mentioned the pain of regret versus like we don't often see it that way. It's like, oh, I'll just stick with comfort because obviously it's more comfortable, but you don't realize that's actually costing your future self a lot of pain and disappointment. And so I often say that the way I make decisions about the future is a future regret management method. Like, am I going to regret this this. in the future? Which means that I very rarely have a regret because past me has thought about future me regretting things. Even if it doesn't work out, usually I've thought, you know, this is going to be better than wishing that I had tried. And Mm. the other thing that you said that I thought was really valuable there was about how even in those moments when you are feeling doubtful and like even the fact that you have had to deal with being called not Australian, like what even is Australian firstly? Like there is no Australian. I mean, I've had the same thing and you mentioned with makeup artists, I always do my own makeup because no one knows how to do Asian eyes. Like it's a full thing. Yes, it is. It it is though. It's not something that is adequately a part of the curriculum, but why isn't it? Why do we not teach people how to deal with black people's hair and makeup as well and cater Mm. to their skin tone? They're just as Australian. And that's what is beautiful about Australia. We are such a patchwork of multiculturalism. But in that sort of doubt arena, what I think is really interesting is that a quote I always come back to in that area is someone out there is looking for exactly what you have. And it's almost selfish of you to suppress that because you're depriving all the people who are like you and who could take inspiration from what you do. Mm -hmm. You're depriving them of the inspiration you could offer. And so I love that, you know, you let yourself go out there and own it and not conform. Like you did this competition as exactly who you are. I mean, I don't know if you could see the response in the Australian media was overwhelming. Like everyone fell in love with you and even more so because you didn't try and be anyone else. And you would never have known that. Like if you listened to the doubters and were like, you know, she's never going to go anywhere, you made it to the top ten in the world and you did it your own way and you would never have known if you believed the doubters you would have been like oh yeah look I'm not Australian I'm never going to make it I can't do this competition I'm too short like for so many reasons race aside the height thing was made a bigger deal than it should have been made it was huge but you know what it is that it was you're so right and it was interesting to me because I thought I am the average height right five foot three five foot four it's the average height and I question, I'm very, very passionate about inclusivity and representation because I think that's the way forward. For everything, it's the way forward. And I asked myself why the average woman was not being seen on the Miss Universe stage. And then I asked, what are we telling people about what it is to be considered beautiful, powerful, you know, capable of stepping into a global ambassadorship role? You need to fit physical requirements. You need to stand at a certain number of, like, I would never say that to my kid. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But there are people who actually would. And I thought, you know, the racism and the the comments about height, I could not tell you every day, you know, what it was like opening your phone and you are being ranked. You are being judged. Someone has done 
a 40 minute YouTube video discussing and dissecting why you can't do it. And my family was seeing this every day too. It's like a sport in some countries. So people are very into it. And I think the one thing I would say to other people from what I've learned here is that, you know, there will always be people who have opinions and they will have opinions whether you're doing something you like or if you're doing something you don't. And if this was happening to me in my HR job, <laughs> which it did, there was sexism and there were, you know, people who were you would underestimate you for a number of reasons. But if that was happening to me there versus here, at least it's happening to me while I'm forging ahead and I'm going to prove them all wrong anyway. Mm. So that's the attitude. You know, why can't you be the first one to say, I'm going to shut that conversation down? Yeah. I'm going to be the one to do it. Why not you? And, and there's another quote that's, if not you, then who? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and also the fact feel that. feel so strongly about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can tell. I love it so much. It's infectious, <laughs> this passion. But it also, you're so right. Like people will hate what you do anyway. If you do yeah. anything in the public sphere, there's going to be a section of society, no matter what you do, who you can't please. Have you had that, Sarah? Because I cannot imagine. And here's the thing. Let me put it into perspective. Sarah is obviously the loveliest soul and her businesses are incredible. You know, a lot of them are evolved around health. It's around positivity, mental well-being. I bet you still get that. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like even in an area which is pretty uncontroversial, like I don't <laughs> think you could get less controversial than joy. There's sort of not many people out there who could be like, oh, joy is, you know, so upsetting. Like, please get that on my face. But you're right. Like, that's the perfect example that even still you are going to upset somebody like either you're not talking about joy in this area of society or you're supporting four charities but not five or like it's never enough or you get like some some of my sort of trolling has been like can you just stop being so bubbly and happy it's so fucking annoying I'm like oh wow I'm too happy I'm so sorry like (laughs) just go somewhere else like the podcast has the word yay in it I think that's a clear indication that if you don't want bubbly go somewhere else go somewhere else it's funny that you say this I actually got a message just the other day somebody had sent me a really racist and abusive message and I the only thing I replied with was sending you love and light Mm. and that like triggered them and they just said you can shove your positive (laughs) 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 and I was like well I'm sorry I'm a happy person and like it's it's you're not like no matter what People are going to be angry. They're going to be hateful because that has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. So why internalize somebody else's issue? Why let someone else dictate what you do in your life? I, I cannot tell you how liberating it has been in the past 12 months to really back myself and trust myself and Let myself be the only voice influencing my decisions. Mm. It has changed my life. And it's also like the haters will be there anyway. And once you actually put the two scenarios next to each other, like doing what you want to do anyway or sitting in the doubt and, you know, not going ahead and not putting yourself out there, someone's going to be unhappy in either situation. So it's not like not following your dream stops all the hate. Like, there will always be people who oppose what you do anyway. So it's like you yeah. might as well be doing the thing that you like. It will come no matter what. But it will. in terms of how you actually went about that logistically, I think one of the things you have done and Priya has done, and for the past couple of years it's been really changing that national perception of this yeah. competition, I think we used to really believe it was like miscongeniality, which was kind of a little bit yeah. fun to think was <laughs> yeah. a real thing. But <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear, particularly because you competed entirely on Zoom for the Australian version, (laughs) what was the competition like? Like we see a lot of you on stage. We see, you know, you doing walking training. There's a lot of what we would expect to see. But what are the parts that we don't necessarily know happens? Like I think people don't realise you actually have to have a brain to win this competition, you know? (laughs) That's 100% it. And when people critique it, they're like, I cannot believe you're being judged on how beautiful you are. And I'm like, if you think that, then you really don't know enough about it. Mm. You know, the Australian competition, and I think it's very different to the international competition. In my opinion, they're completely different worlds. The Australian one, um, I had to compete amongst the other Victorian girls completely from lockdown because we spent eight months <laughs> in lockdown last year. We were cursed. <laughs> it was from March, you know, we we're announced as national finalists. We had the yay moment and then it was like, and now stay home for eight months. So that was, you know, where the other girls were going to photo shoots and going to the gym and able to get their roots touched up. We were getting boxes <laughs> of product dropped to our front door and it's like, 
here you go, make some content. And, you know, it was disheartening at times because you're worried, am I being disadvantaged? But I'll tell you what I thought that ended up obviously working. You can sit there and think, I'm disadvantaged, I'm not doing all the fancy stuff that embellishes this opportunity. But when I actually asked myself, if you strip all that away, strip away everything that people see, what is this? For me, it was a responsibility. And I thought, how do I rise to that with nothing more than the digital sphere because mm. I'm locked down at home? And how do I show them what they would get as Miss Australia if they picked me, even without being able to meet people? So I just got a lot more creative about how I use social media. And I didn't lie about my circumstances. So I ended up moving back home last year and I had my mom, my dad, my brother, and I just built them into everything I was doing because I'm like, this is my family. This is who I am. Oh, you know, my dad. So beautiful. <laughs> and like, I just thought, you know what? This is it. Okay. My dad's hanging around waiting for me to finish the interview so he can crash the camera. Like it, it, it was what it was. And he ended up making it to the national show. I have never seen a title holder's father on this universe show. <laughs> I just thought like, you know what, make it your own. And I guess the way that I did that was not, I'm going to have the most beautiful photos. I ended up creating an empowerment series online and I showed them, I guess, my value and my impact. And then when I went to the international competition, I guess it's hard to comment on what that was like because I never got the stage experience, the meeting the girls, but at the international level, I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it is very competitive where some countries, it quite literally is their national sport. They have, <laughs> they, have, they have billboards. They have teams of 40 pumping like crazy campaigns because, you know, it's a very big deal for them. So I'm thinking here in Australia where it's not a big deal. I'm like, how do I compete with that? But I'm telling you with determination, will the universe will give you the right people, the right opportunities. And it happened anyway and when i got there the girls were incredible because i've never been in this arena before i did not expect to walk away with people that i will consider lifelong friends but i did and i guess to prepare they asked us how are you preparing and the best way to describe it is i'm preparing by showing up now as the miss universe you would get and that's someone who is a change maker who believes in leadership who will start national and international conversations and facilitate them so I just showed them who I was. And that meant, you know, a lot of writing and authoring pieces on racism, equality, you know, women's issues, challenging the status quo. I spoke on national television about that, that series that's now being pitched as a podcast. It was a lot of work to show people I can be a global ambassador. It's not just, I need to look pretty on stage. So <laughs> um, it's so much more than people think. <laughs> well, that's just, I think, why there's so much national pride around you. Like, even though it might not be the national sport here that it is in, say, you know, Mexico or some of the American yeah. uh, arenas <laughs> where pageants are such a big deal. To see the support rally around you, even just on social media, like people who haven't met you, don't know you, the outpouring of love and pride and all of us just glued to our phones the day that, you know, the top 20, top 10, like people were out of their minds because it's not <laughs> a vacuous beauty only, exterior beauty only competition because mm. you, I think, helped communicate how it can be more than that and how you can be more than that. And I love that you took... Like sometimes it almost reminds me of the fake it till you make it, except that I don't mean it that way because you weren't faking I know it at what all. You mean. But, you know, like I think you got so far because you didn't like just take it step by step. Like how can I prove myself right now? You jump straight to what would you get if I was there? And you took that energy from the beginning. And that's extraordinary. How intelligent of you to approach it that way. <laughs> <laughs> all I need, look, I, I, it's very sweet. And I have to say I'm so humbled by the social support, the Australian support, because when I was first selected, you know, people didn't really know or understand. And to see that growth, it actually just showed me how hungry the Australian community is for that change that I was representing. And they supported me, not because of me, but they knew what I was there to do. And I think they understood that and they were on board with it. So it says a lot about our country our national community and the direction we need to go in. So I was committed to doing that because I knew that, okay, if this goes that way or it doesn't, whether I win or not, I know I want to have a really long career driving and championing this anyway. So it, yeah, it was intentional. And I think you, you should be in everything you do in life. I think you should be intentional. So was the, you know, like creating Mind With Me and that incredible 
incredible video that you made that was shared like 50,000 bajillion times. <laughs> <laughs> Are they requirements of the competition? Like what no. is the actual structure? Like there's obviously the walking and stuff. So what did you have to do in Zoom when you did it from here? And then when you went over, like what were the stages? Because I don't think a lot of it, like some of it was live, but some of it wasn't. So what did you actually have to do? And then what was extra that you just took on because you're so passionate about what you're doing? You know, in, at the Australian level, I think, you know, respectfully saying this, I think I had a very different vision for what a Miss Universe Australia should be doing to maybe what the organization were excited to do. And for that reason, it was very interesting. The lockdown and being separated meant that I was able to have a lot of creative reign. And I would kind of go to them with ideas later and be like, well, this is what I've done. What do you think? And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> not right. part of it, but sure. No. And, and, and my director, bless his soul, he backed everything I did. But he did have to say to me at one point, Maria, you need to ask before you do these things. And I'm like, Troy, just trust me. I have a vision. Just trust me. Um, but with Zoom and, you know, doing everything from Zoom, they have, I guess, sponsors that make up this program, right? So they want you to make content for the sponsors. They want to see that, I guess the way it was described is, can you be put on a morning show couch and have a conversation? Do you stand for something? And it's, I think there's a culture in pageantry where there's a big focus on humanitarian or charity work. So everybody has a thing called an advocacy, but that never sat well with me, the concept of that, because I think that many people pick something and they use it in a performative way for the purpose of the pageant to say, well, mm. this is my cause that I'm backing. So whenever people asked me from the very start, I'm like, well, I'm, I don't have something I'm going to say, well, this is mine. Mm. I live and breathe diversity, inclusivity, because that comes from my lived experiences. So if you ask me what it is, I'm just championing inclusivity for everybody because I know what it feels like when you're on the sidelines. And that extends to many underrepresented communities. So that was something I had to get my head around. And one thing that I, I never really felt comfortable doing was thinking, okay, I'm going to go somewhere do an event and have a sash on and a crown and be seen doing charity work. Mm. So when I thought of, well, how am I going to show people who I am and what I value? I thought, I love to talk. I love conversations. And I believed I had a gift and an ability to connect people and unify them through dialogue and conversation. So that's where Mind With Me was born in the middle of lockdown. Because I remember one of my friends saying to me in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement, that she was scared to say anything on social media. Yeah, um, It was around that time that I think we were seeing a lot of cancel culture for many different movements. And I personally am of the belief that if we want change, if we want to pursue progress, people need to be able to talk respectfully about differing perspectives. You can't be afraid to use your voice. Mm. So that was where I created Mind With Me. And it was just a passion project that I thought, one day I want this to be its own show and I'm just going to do it. So it wasn't for the pageant. I'm still doing it now. <laughs> and then, you know, when I got to the international level, they would request little videos here and there where they'd say, tell us how you impacted people in COVID or this, that or the other. But I knew what my vision was about changing the way people think about Australia and championing diversity. So that my Australia video um, it actually came to me in the height of being told things like, you're not Australian. She has no Australian heritage. This is literally a message I had received. I want to go back to the era where Australia sent tall, white, blonde women to Miss Universe. <gasps> and you're reading these things often. You know, they're looking and saying, that's great, but have, has Australia just completely lost, you know, is this the best we have, you know? Oh, my and gosh. It's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying that people can say this stuff out loud. But I was reading it, reading it, reading it, and I thought, I'm going to show you why I was selected and I'm going to show you why I'm still going to bring Australia to the top. And that video, I have to say respectfully, you know, I think we know that in Australia we have a way to go in terms of how we're representing our true diversity in the media sphere. Mm. we don't see it and when we think about Australia a lot of people internationally for example were very surprised to see me because they would openly say when we think of Australia's you know best exports we think of Margot Robbie Chris Hemsworth <laughs> you're surfing on a beach and I can't swim I'll start by saying I can't even swim <laughs> I'm going to challenge that stereotype I would drown in an instant if you threw oh me God. on a surfing beach <laughs> well that is not a race thing that is un-australian babe purely yeah. because you can't swim <laughs> that's, that's, that's an incompetence thing I'll tell you <laughs> anyway so you know i thought about that and i thought well what are people not seeing they are not seeing the australia that i love 
the Australia that celebrates First Nations people, the Australia that is built on immigration. And I wanted to tell that story because I think that's what makes us unique. And when people internationally would say, what's the best contribution of Australia to the world? I think we have the opportunity to show people how amazing the world can be when we embrace who we are. And that's what that video was. And I wanted to show the Australia I feel so much pride in. And what honestly brings me to tears, like it could make me emotional right now, it's responses like people saying, I haven't seen a tourism campaign that reflects who we are as accurately as this. And I've never been more proud to be Australian. To reignite that feeling of I'm Australian, I matter, I'm here, I'm proud. I think that was one of the highlights. Oh my God, it makes me emotional. <laughs> it's, it's, it makes me emotional because for that to be driven by someone who was told she is an Australian, I think that is a very big testimony to how important it is to you know, use your experiences for service. And that comes oh, back to that Maya Angelou quote. Absolutely. And I think that is something that you're a wonderful ambassador for, as well as just being yourself and standing for a cause and you know, defying the odds is just that there is a way to respond to doubters and haters and the skeptics and that is to use that as fuel. Obviously it hurts and obviously it's unpleasant and no one would want that. Mm. But if it's got to come anyway, rather than let it, like we talked about before, dictate your decisions and topple you over, it's mm. almost like that fueled your fire even more to be like, screw you. I am going to prove you wrong. Like I am using this as that like frustration and anger to show you how wrong you are and I love that because I think like if anyone could take anything from you it's that in the moment where there's self-doubt use that as fuel use that as fuel to propel you forward in the things that you do believe and that will be way more impactful than anything else a hundred percent and when I think about it I knew I was very conscious of the fact that yes they were directing it at me but those comments weren't just to me right they reflected a bigger attitude towards an entire group of people in our country and for that reason I thought I'm not just doing this for me I have to keep going because other people who dare to challenge the norm I don't want them to look at me make it this far only to topple I want them to say she did it I can do it too and I think when you get hate the best thing to do is to respond with love never never stoop to that level and it's like you know what that shove that positivity but sorry that's like <laughs> I'm you know aligned with you with joy and love you cannot hate and it cannot thrive around that it just can't it can't so i think you know that's a very important maxim i guess mm. i try to remember and live by i think we're all just so so proud to have you as a representative on the global stage because of the fact that i didn't realize that none of that was compulsory like that wasn't part of the competition they were projects that you took on because they're part of what you consider a miss australia should do as part of her role for the country. How many days were you there also? 11 days. What were those 11 days made up of? It was crazy. And I didn't know this, but normally the women go over for a month. And it's oh. a month. I know. So it's a month of filming for the show. It's a month of choreography to learn, you know, the dances that you do. It's practice and you have proper walk coaching as well. I saw um, that. Yeah, like interviews and things with us it was 10 days Sarah we would get up at 5 a.m 4 35 a.m to get ready and you had to look the part from the morning and you might go to breakfast and then get told at breakfast you need to go and change and be ready in an hour you have a shoot <gasps> and then from the shoot you need to quickly go and then it's okay now you've got interviews and video filming you've got some downtime but then you have a shoot at 11 p.m like it was crazy oh my god I think by the end of it girls were so sleep deprived people mm. were sleeping at the breakfast table it was, <laughs> it was like and I'll tell you the one day like my most tired day it was after you know it was like the 11th day out of like 12 or whatever it was and I slept in that day. We were told, be ready at 7.30 for breakfast. It's a big day. I woke up at 7.30. <laughs> well, lucky you're a makeup yeah. artist and you could quickly oh, get... <laughs> no, but Sarah, but I didn't do any of that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put a bit of mascara on. I have the big COVID mask anyway. <laughs> I had a hoodie on and some jeans and that was not the day to not look cute because I was sitting there in rehearsals. They were calling up some girls sporadically to practice different parts of the competition. So we all knew what to do if it was us. And I'm sitting there falling asleep and brushing my hair, like exactly that. Brushing my hair, falling asleep, and I hear them call from the stage, Australia, get up to the stage, we need you. 
So I'm like, oh my God, through the hairbrush, <laughs> run up on the stage. And I'm standing there looking like I've just crawled out of bed. And <laughs> Louise Fonzie is to my right. Like I'm talking, the singer of Despacito was standing to my right. And I was like, are you actually kidding me? Because he sung to the top five. So they were practicing what to do. And I, I'm like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> what is my is, life? Why is this happening to me? So I had to practice like we would, you know, he'd sing to you and I just, my God, it was manic. It was crazy. The entire time was amazing. And it did challenge you a lot because you had to keep going and keep up spirits and be determined. But, you know, I, I was up for the challenge. That so was good. Oh my gosh. So like, you know how in Miss Congeniality they have like, what would you do in autumn? Was it? Just like, oh, she goes, a what, light jacket. what is the best date? What, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what is your idea of the ideal date? And she was like, April 25th. It's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Did you have questions? Like, do you have question time or? So they actually changed the format, this particular competition, which is really interesting when normally the top 20, everybody gets an opening statement. They usually do a bit of a Q&A around the top 10 and then they have a final statement. But for this competition in this format, they changed it all and they got rid of all the speaking till the very end. So you needed to make the top five to do a Q&A. So I got to the top 10 and unfortunately... Oh, you didn't get to speak. didn't get to speak. And that was the thing I was looking forward to most, Sarah. I am very passionate about speaking. I love public speaking and I wanted to get asked something difficult so I could mm. share my views. And it was pretty disappointing, but I felt like people worldwide heard my message anyway. You know, Absolutely. It, so th they did have the question and answer and um, in a final statement. So they made us practice it. So I, I got to practice it and get up there and like have a go. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, that's all right. That's okay. I tend to give my opinions everywhere anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, I love that this is, I mean, absolutely the end of the competition, but the start, only the very, very beginning for what Maria has to offer the world. So <laughs> what is next? What do you have in the pipeline? I feel like you've translated this platform into exactly what Miss Universe Australia should do with it. You know, you've already just made such incredible headway in changing the way we see ourselves and and such national pride has come out of it. What do you plan to do next? Thank you. I cannot tell you how it feels to have people say the country's behind you. There's national pride around what you did and it's very humbling and it's definitely something I want to keep rising to. And you said when they'd call out like Australia and you're like, oh, oh my God, that's me. When they yeah. call Australia, that's what they call me. <laughs> you don't have a name, so they just call you Australia and it is the best feeling the girls would call me Aussie um they'd just be like Aussie come here and it was just it was the sweetest thing and I think to be called by your country when you're progressing you know mm. top 10 to whatever it's like that's the best feeling because I knew I knew people at home were like that's our girl like that's amazing so um what's next is I definitely want to make sure that diversity and inclusivity and being public about progress, that is something I'm going to be championing in whatever I do. So I, I want to get into TV. So that's the next path, I guess, I, I want to walk. But I also wrote a kid's book um, in quarantine. So I want to Shut look up. at... <laughs> I wrote a kid's book in quarantine. And I, I want to now look at how do I get this out there? Because it has a very important message. I love how we were just talking about like a downtime, nice little slow know, down, blah, blah, blah. I wrote a whole children's <laughs> book in quarantine. <laughs> I know. Look, because I feel like the idea came to me and it just it flowed um and i'm wanting to launch a podcast as well so there are a couple of different things but all those mediums are going to afford me the ability to grow my platform and spread that message so I'm oh, oh my gosh this is going to be amazing you're so sweet i know we were just talking about rest and relaxation <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile I, I wrote an entire book but like whatever you know that was just that was day one to three <laughs> no well it's a kid's book so it's shorter it's like a primary school aged book it's definitely more like you know it's a smaller like a bedtime story kind of book but it's still, I think it's, it's got a great message. So I'm really excited about that. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. The nation is so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you do this voice when you say things like national pride and the nation. <laughs> and it makes me really like, oh my God, like I'm really motivated for life. It's great. <laughs> That's what we felt watching you. We were like, 
that's our girl. Oh my God. It was so beautiful. And I actually, I can't imagine how weird it must've been to be that person that everyone's like projecting their Australian love and like, we are the best country. We're the lucky country. And you were like flying the flag for us. It's just so special. Thank you, my love. I think the night that my Australia video went live, I think I just cried a couple of times when I was reading some of the comments. There's no words to describe how it feels. I love our country. I love who we are at our core. And I want to keep promoting that and celebrating that and encouraging that to be what is shown to the world. Because Mm. I think, you know, we could do a little bit more in that sphere. So I'm very proud of who we are and, and what we're about. And I think one thing you have made very, very clear is that the odds can be against you, there can be doubters, and you can go and do something that, like you stepped on the international stage before you'd even done it here because we didn't have it in Victoria. You can be a complete beginner, you can be an outsider to the pageant. Well, you know, you can start yeah. something that you had no experience in and still make enormous, enormous difference to a lot of people. So coming back to that quote of the yay, you know, to be yourself in a world that's trying to make you something else is such a big accomplishment. What words do you have for anyone else who's maybe a little bit earlier on in their journey, back in that sort of Shia Maria stage where you weren't as confident about taking this platform and saying things that maybe won't land as smoothly as other things might. How do you reassure people to go ahead anyway and and that it will be okay? I think it is so important and I know it's very, very difficult. It's very important to try and keep the right people around you, first of all. And if you don't have the right people around you and maybe you have friends who are not really your friends or perhaps family are telling you that you can't or you should be on another path, you can choose. If you can't physically get away, you can choose whether or not to internalize their messages. And Mm. I know that because I did that. It, It is possible. So when you do that and when you're true to yourself, I do think you attract the right people into your life as well. So keep a good circle around you and keep telling yourself, if not you, then who? If it hasn't been done before or if it seems impossible, the odds are against you, I went into that competition without as many resources as other people. That was my first time on a stage, the shortest, didn't look the part (laughs) and still did it. Like it's, you know, you can do it. So I hope that my example teaches people your internal dialogue is what matters the most. Do whatever you can to preserve your peace and your internal dialogue and keep walking your path. Know that there will be naysayers, whether you're doing the right thing or you're doing the comfortable thing. But be true to yourself because you don't want to betray yourself and what your your soul and your spirit is pulling you to. Like one of the things I'm really excited about, I guess I'll say um, I was a longtime user of Olay, for example, the brand. And now I've worked with them a little bit, but have renewed you know, a role as an ambassador for them. Seeing myself as the face of you know, an international brand in the Australian sphere, something like that would have seemed impossible. And I would have been really shy to put myself out there as well. But I think when you are true to yourself and your values, the right people and opportunities will come along. So it's thinking of, well, that seems impossible. Well, look at some of the things that I've done and no, no, it's not. It's not impossible for you. And your internal dialogue really matters. I feel like I can close the podcast now forever because you just said everything (laughs) that it's about. (laughs) The end. that is it. And on that note, you will never hear from us again. We cannot stop that. (laughs) Cannot be topped. (laughs) And the final part of this segment is your recommendation, which is a movie or a book or a show or something that you watched lately, guessing that we've all had a bit more time to actually consume material recently (laughs) that made you smile and that you know you think we all should watch so mine would obviously be your my Australia video I think every Australian should watch that so I will definitely include a link in the show notes what about something that you've enjoyed okay there are two things I'm going to share one is a book this book quite literally changed my life and I revisited parts of it while I was in quarantine it's the power of now I know so many people would have spoken about it, but it's for the reason that it really does help you understand how you view the world and where you fit and then transcending conditioning that tells you you're not enough. And it reminds you, you belong to something bigger, whatever your spiritual beliefs. I, I think it helps you get into a mindset where you're in control and you're powerful. And it makes me happy because it reminds me that I am no different to anybody. We're equal and we're all deserving of love, belonging and success and happiness. So 
that book made me happy. But also there was a Super Soul Sunday episode of Oprah's. I'm just going to say Oprah is my queen, like all hail the queen. <laughs> I feel like you could legitimately be interviewed by Oprah. Like Sarah, that's going to happen. We're manifesting this. It's going to happen. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I have talked about her on so many podcasts that if it ever does happen, she's going to say, you have an unhealthy obsession with me and it needs to <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of creeped out, but I'm like, I know about Gail. I know about everybody in your life. You've got to put it out like, there, right? Like, you know, mani- let, let's manifest it. We're putting it out to the universe. Dear Oprah in podcast land. Woo-hoo. Oprah, if you hear this, I love you. Adopt me. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Be my mum. <laughs> Oprah, I consider you my other mother. So um, We're best friends. Good. You just We're in a deep relationship. You just don't know about it, but it's, it's actually fine. Oprah, if you're actually listening to any of this, please do not be turned off and love me anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel that she is incredible and she's definitely someone I've, I consider a mentor. I think you can have people in your life who are mentors. <laughs> and listen, I'll tell you why. Jay Shetty talks about how you can have teachers in your life and mentors that you know, and those who are not close to you that can be mentors and I realized after I said adopt me now this sounds weird (laughs) she's actually my mentor um again she doesn't know she doesn't know I exist but we have conversations in my head and all the time they're really really great she loves me I call her (laughs) O I call her O um so O is my mentor no jokes aside (laughs) I consider her someone I've learned from in that I think she's an incredible storyteller and She has beautiful messages. And she had this one particular conversation. If you go on YouTube, you can find it. And it was when I was feeling like I was at a little bit of a crossroads. It was a few months ago. And it was about intuition and your path and your purpose. She's talking to a woman called Carolyn Miss. And they're chatting about exactly that. And it made me smile because she talks about how no matter what's going on in your life, if you feel like something's happening, that it shouldn't be happening to me or that was meant for me or whatever it is, it talks about you never being off the path and sometimes you're redirected. So Mm. we cause ourselves unnecessary suffering when we're chasing a life that we think is meant for us instead of being open to, well, maybe that's not an alignment, right? It offered beautiful perspectives, very empowering perspectives, and it made me smile. I love it. Oh, my gosh. I feel like you and I could, like, if we actually were in a room together, we'd just smile and laugh and smile and be positive and the whole room would just explode. It would explode. And then it would, and, like, people, I think, if you don't like positivity, like, (laughs) the epitome of everything you hate about the world. I don't know. We'll just be like, can you guys just shut the fuck up? Like, go away. You actually make me sick. I'm dry reaching. You're activating my gag reflex. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of strange things. Like for anyone listening, you know what? I am a little strange. But things about like psychologically thinking Oprah is my mentor in my life and the gag reflex, like please don't judge. I'm a really nice I'm quite normal. <laughs> there is no yeah. normal. I mean, like, babe, you've listened to the show. You know that we're all just so yeah. weird in our own special way. But that's why yeah. it's so much fun. <laughs> it's the weird shit that's the funnest. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I should have known the conversation would have been that way when you showed me your Harry Potter pants. I'm like, I can be myself around this woman. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's my pole jumper with my dog on it. I love it. My Harry Potter PJs. I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, that was in, like, the first three minutes of our chat. And I think that set the tone, so I'm glad. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for jumping on and sharing so generously, my love. And I'm so excited for you that today's your last day in a hotel. I'm sorry that you're not getting out to complete freedom, but um, just thank you so much for everything you're doing for our beautiful country, representing it so beautifully. We're all so proud of you and inspired by you, and I'm just so grateful you came on the show. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm smiling ear to ear if you can't tell, and I just, you know, hearing it from Sarah, it means everything. (laughs) <laughs> so have, much. I know. have I actually been your mentor all this time and, and I didn't know <laughs> now's, now's a good time to tell you we've actually been best friends for about three years so, um, <laughs> I felt it in my waters it's yeah. fine I knew I'm I knew sorry. already thank you for being the best best friend I ever had 
So I knew when you were doing your final interview that you were like, I just want to thank Sarah (laughs) from Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of this lawyer turned entrepreneur, but she is the reason I am the woman I am today. (laughs) She invented me. (laughs) That's totally why you made the top 10. I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) I absolutely adore you. I'm going to listen to this and cringe and laugh and be inspired all at once. And thank you for having me. Oh, what a little powerhouse. I cannot wait to see what comes next from Maria. I think she has such a bright future ahead. As always, if you enjoyed, please do shower her with love and do the Yeighborhood proud. Sharing any insights or takeaways you had, or even if you get to watch the My Australia video, sharing your insights and what you thought and tagging at Maria Thatil, of course, and Seize the A so we can keep growing the Yeighborhood as far and wide as possible. As I mentioned, all the links are in the show notes. Please do check it out it's just I can't get enough of this woman and her amazing work and don't forget this coming weekend 11th to the 13th of June is the relief run the global virtual run that we started last year to help the Australian bushfire relief and have revived this year to help World Vision's COVID-19 India fund you can hear more about it two years of our lives episodes ago and I'll include links in the show notes we have just had David Beckham come out and speak in support of everyone pounding the pavement around the world for this incredibly important cause and some other amazing ambassadors but I won't ramble on here as you've already had a full episode about it so head to the link in show notes and uh, you can do it from anywhere anytime next weekend so please get on board hope you're having a wonderful week and a seizing your yay